Now let's read chapter 23, verses 10 to 20, the burial of Sarah. The burial of Sarah, 23:10. Now Ephron was sitting among the sons of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the hearing of the sons of Heth, even of all who went in at the gate of his city, saying, No, my lord, hear, hear me. I give you the field, and I give you the cave that is in it. In the presence of the sons of my people, I give it to you. Bury your dead. And Abraham bowed before the people of the land, and he spoke to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, saying, If you will only please listen to me, I will give the price of the field. Accept it from me, that I may bury my dead there. Then Ephron answered Abraham, saying to him, My lord, listen to me. A piece of land worth four hundred shekels of silver? What is that between me and you? So bury your dead. And Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out for Ephron the silver which he had named in the hearing of the sons of Heth, four hundred shekels of silver, commercial standard. So Ephron's field, which was in Machpelah, which faced Mamre, the field and cave which was in it, and all the trees which were in the field, that were within all the confines of its border, were deeded over to Abraham for a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth before all who went in at the gate of his city. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah, facing Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded over to Abraham for a burial site by the sons of of Heth. We can see verse 20 essentially is a summary of what we just read in verses 10 to 19. Now, verse 10, Ephron was sitting among the sons of Heth, presumably because Abraham didn't know he was there, but he's requesting this to happen, and Ephron is sitting there among the sons of Heth. So he speaks up, and he says in the hearing of the rest of the people there among the sons of Heth. So this is all happening publicly in the presence of everyone so that there are many witnesses. It says of all who went in at the gate of his city. The gate of the city was the place to assemble to negotiate matters that had to do with the city, whether it had to do with crimes or had to do with purchases, the sale of land, Things like that were done at the gate of the city. And this, hap- this uh, circumstance at the gate of the city is an important thing, um, the way that it is being conducted. Remember we said this is not a, a shady deal. It is an open and honest one. Well, the scripture expects not only Abraham, but all of us to behave like that. It expects all of us to behave like that. For example, Psalm 15. Psalm 15. O Lord, who may abide in your tent? And who may dwell in, on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes a reproach against his friend in whose eyes a reprobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. He does not put out his money at interest, 
nor does, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. This is the way of all of us, as it says in the psalm. The Apostle Paul, in Acts chapter 24, Acts chapter 24, verse 16 says, In view of this, I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience, both before God and before men. Paul says that he lives his life to do his best to maintain always a blameless conscience. A blameless conscience before God and before men. What verse is it? This is Acts 24, 16. 24, 16. The Apostle Paul lives his life that way. So, we should also, as Psalm 15, and Paul as our example. 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Imitate me as I also do Christ, Paul says. So, as Paul behaves in an ethical manner, we too should behave as Paul behaved in an ethical manner. Verse 11. Verse 11. Now, my Lord, hear me. I give you the field and I give you the cave that is in it. In the presence of the sons of my people, I give it to you. Bury your dead. Ephron has the same estimation of Abraham that the rest of the men of the city do. Because he says to him, my Lord. He understands the respectful way in which Abraham has lived his life among them. So he addresses him in this honorable way. Further, he wants to give it to him just like that. He wants to give it to him free. Apparently, that's the way he wants to give it to him. But Abraham is not going to take it that way, we understand. We know he's not going to take it that way. And Abraham has actually behaved that way earlier. In chapter 14, chapter 14, he made sure to keep some distance between himself and the king of Sodom. In the case of the king of Sodom, he was a wicked man, and Abraham did not want to have any dealings with money from the spoil of battle, any of the spoil or the booty of battle, to be misunderstood. So it says in 14.21, And the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give the people to me and take the goods for yourself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing except what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me, Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre. Let them take their share. So, Abraham is keeping his distance from the king of Sodom. And I think, in a, in a way, that's what he is about to do with Ephron. He doesn't want to take something free from Ephron, not because he's too proud to take something free, but because he doesn't want to be misunderstood as having cheated Ephron, or having exploited Ephron, or having taken something from Ephron for nothing, he wants to give him some money for this transaction. But then verse 12. And Abram, Abraham bowed before the people of the land. He bowed before the people of the land. 
This is the second time it tells us that he bowed. Verse 20, uh, 23, verse 7 says, So Abraham rose and bowed to the people of the land, the sons of Heth. When he is bowing, what is he doing? Why is Abraham bowing to these men who are strangers and who are idolaters? Why is he bowing? Is he bowing because he's worshiping them? Or is he bowing because he is honoring them? I believe he's bowing because he is honoring them. As it says, teaches us in Romans 13, 1 to 7. Romans 13, 1 to 7. It teaches us that the governing authorities are there as instituted by God. So we should properly interact with the governmental officials wherever we live. Or wherever we travel. We should treat them with proper honor and respect. This is what it says in Romans 13, 7. Render to all what is due them. Tax to whom tax is due. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. Honor to whom honor. That is due. Even to Pagans, even if they don't know the Lord. After all, isn't the book of Romans written to Roman Christians living in the city of Rome? Yeah. And the Roman Empire is controlling that part of the world at that time, correct? And what did they worship? And who did they worship? Well, they worshiped idols. They were pagan people worshiping idols. They did not care to worship the God of the Bible or the Christ of Scripture. They did not care to do so. Not most of them. And yet, honor and fear was to be given to them. The same with Peter. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, addresses the Christians scattered throughout various parts of the Roman Empire. And this is what he says to them. 1 Peter 2.13 2.13 Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil. But use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. So honor all men. Honor the king. This is what Abraham is doing when he bows before the sons of Heth. That was the custom to bow in order to show your honor. In, in our cultures, there are different ways in which we do so. It so happens that in Abraham's case, that's what it was. Now, the fact that he was not worshiping is evident because the scripture does say we should honor all men, right? And he is not rebuked or criticized by God for bowing to the sons of Heth. If he were worshiping the sons of Heth by bowing to them, then he would have been rebuked, I believe. Just as Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, Peter and six other men go to the house of Cornelius. Cornelius was a Roman. He was a Roman centurion. 
And the gospel is about to be preached to Cornelius and his household by Peter. And when Peter approaches, when he first comes and before he preaches, notice what happens. Acts chapter 10, verse 25. And when it came about that Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter raised him up saying, Stand up, I too am just a man. I too am just a man. And he stopped it. He knew it was wrong to do that, so Peter stopped it. Another incident that we will not um, turn to, but we can refer to it, Acts 14, verses 8 to 18. Acts 14, 8 to 18. Paul and Silas are traveling as missionaries, and the people of the city consider them to be gods. And they want to come with garlands and with sacrifices to offer to Paul and, and to... Um, Paul and to Barnabas. So when they go, um, Paul says to stop doing it. When they go to worship them, Paul says to stop doing it. We are men of the same nature as yours. You and I, we have the same nature. So do not offer sacrifices to me. All right, so Abraham is doing it out of respect. Back to Genesis 23. 23. 23, 13 to 16. 13. And he spoke to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, saying, If you will only please listen to me, I will give the price of the field, accept it from me, that I may bury my dead there. Now when he says the price, he means the full price, because he did mention the full price in verse 9. Whatever the full price, the current price, whatever it's worth, that's what I'll pay for it. That's what he wants to do. He insists that he give some money for it. And then in verse 15, Ephron answers, My Lord, listen to me. A piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between me and you? So bury your dead. Ephron is saying, Okay, this is what the price is. But it's not, it's not uh, much. It's something, but it's not... Um, I'm not exploiting you. And I understand what you're doing. And I've just named the price. So, based on that, verse 16, Abraham says, Okay, I will give you this 400 shekels of silver, commercial standard. He weighs it out and he gives it to him. So, no one is exploiting the other. The buyer and the seller have good intentions and they're not exploiting each other. They're not taking advantage of one another. They're handling the deal honestly. And that's the way it should be. Honestly, uh, the seller should not jack up the price to exploit the buyer. Right. And the buyer should not insist and rant and rave and throw a temper tantrum to, to the seller and say, no, 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 and try to get it from the seller, making the seller look bad or feel bad so that he exploits even the seller because the seller sometimes is soft-hearted, Right? So he's not doing that. Abraham's not doing that to Ephron, and Ephron's not doing that to Abraham. Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 17. Bread obtained by falsehood is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be filled with gravel. 
Initially, if you exploit someone, bread obtained by falsehood, it might be sweet to you. You think, okay, I conquered this deal, okay? But afterward, it will be, your mouth will be filled with gravel. It was sweet initially, but then it's going to be hard later. 21.6, Proverbs 21.6. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor, the pursuit of death. Getting treasures by a lying tongue, fleeting vapor, the pursuit of death. And he doesn't mean physical death, he means eternal death. Because those who uh, lie, those who steal from others, are not loving their neighbor, and if they're not loving their neighbor, they're not loving God. And if you don't love God, you go to hell. The eternal death, the second death. That's what happens. Now, Abraham and Ephron, in this case, they're being honest and open with each other. So then, verses 17 to 20, the transaction is finalized and the burial takes place. Verse 17, So Ephron's field, which was in Machpelah, which faced Mamre, the field and the cave, which was in it, and all the trees which were in the field, that were within all the confines of its border, were deeded over to Abraham for a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth before all who went in at the gate of his city. Now, we have emphasized the openness and honestness of this. Notice too, it's been saying, in the presence of the people, to the people of the land, at the gate of the city. What is our relationship to outsiders? What should our relationship to outsiders be? Let's see a few places. Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. Our relationship to outsiders. Colossians 4, 5. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders. Making the most of the opportunity. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders. By outsiders, he means those outside the church. The unbelieving world. We should conduct ourselves with wisdom toward them. And make the most of the opportunity. Now, the opportunity may, may be a gospel opportunity to open our mouth and share the gospel. Invite someone to... Uh, understand the gospel, to read a tract, to read the Bible, to come to church, right? To stay in contact with you. It may mean an opportunity like that, or it may be an opportunity for you to behave appropriately in public. To behave appropriately in public with your self-restraint with your mouth, whether it's how much you talk or what you say, Right? In public. Your kindness toward others in public. Are you kind and friendly towards others? Are you deferring to others in public? Especially toward the handicapped, toward the elderly, toward women, toward children. Are you behaving that way? Right? These are ways in which we behave with wisdom toward outsiders. But even in the case of Abraham, um, dealing with outsiders properly in reference to money use. In reference to money use. In Luke 16, 1 to 13, remember the parable of the unrighteous steward. 
the unrighteous steward handled his money shrewdly. And Christ said that the people of the world, the unrighteous people, often behave more shrewdly than we do with the money, the God-given money that God gave the unbelievers. So why don't we deal shrewdly with the money God has given to us? Handle it properly in the godly way, the way God wants us to handle our money. Next is 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9. 4, 9. Now, as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed, you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you, so that you may behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. He commends them in verses 9 and 10 for loving one another as they were taught by God to love one another. They do so, and he encourages them to do it even more. That is, love those in the church. But also, what should their life look like? How should it be characterized? They should be living a quiet life, attending to their own business, right? Not meddlers and not noisemakers, but quiet. Work with your hands. So work hard, earn a living, raise your family, take care of your own personal matters as commanded. This is a New Testament command just as it was an Old Testament command. Also, he says in 12, so that you may behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. Why should outsiders see that we Christians are miserable caretakers of our own business? They should not see that. They should see the opposite. And that when they see the opposite, that should alert them to the fact that we belong to Christ. When we are miserable with our own belongings, then they will disdain our Christian testimony. But it should not be. It should be commended. They should honor the way that we handle and help one another. And finally, 1 Timothy 3. 1 Timothy 3, 1 Timothy 3, 7. Those who are leaders in the church, elders in the church, or pastors in the church, Notice what it says of them. 3.7. 1 Timothy 3.7. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church, so that he may not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. <coughs> the snare of the devil and reproach awaits those who do not live up to a good reputation with those outside the church. We cannot be hypocrites. What we say on the inside of the church is the way we should live on the outside of the church. What, the way we live on the outside of the church should be the way we live on the inside of the church. We should be honest, transparent people with a conscience that is seeking to be blameless in the sight of God and in the sight of men. Furthermore, and finally, verses 19 and 20. 
Genesis 23, 19. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field uh, at Machpelah, facing Mamre, that is in Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded over to Abraham for a burial site by the sons of Heb. Remember I said that there are a few names here that we can take in an overlapping way. The, fe- the cave of the field at Machpelah, facing Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. What is this place? Chapter, chapter 14. In chapter 14, verse 13, we know he from here why it's called Mamre. 14, 13. Then a fugitive came and told Abram the Hebrew. Now he was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol, and brother of Aner. And these were allies with Abram. See there, he's called, uh, or Abraham is living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, and he has, Mamre has two brothers, Eshcol and Aner. Chapter 14, verse 24. 14, 24, it says, uh, the men who went with me, who are the men who went with Abraham? To the battle of recovery, it was Aner, Eshcol, and Mamre. Right. Those three men went there. So that place was named after this man, Mamre. He was an Amorite, one of the Canaanite peoples. Um, later in the Bible, though, this place is going to be called Hebron. So initially, Kiriath Arba. And then Hebron, that's going to be the name. And then there is another locality known as Mamre, or the Oaks of Mamre. And then this field at the place called Machpelah, and there's the cave, which was the burial site. And as we said earlier, this is not going to be only for Sarah. It's going to be for others as well. For example, let's turn to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter Genesis chapter 49 Genesis chapter 49 this is a place that is a place of hope okay they put their faith in what this place represented a place of hope Genesis 49 and then verse 28 49 28 All these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is what their father said to them. When he blessed them, he blessed them, everyone, with the blessing appropriate to him. Then he charged them and said to them, I am about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought along with the field from Ephron the Hittite for a burial site. There they buried Abraham, and his wife Sarah. There they buried Isaac and his wife Rebekah. And there I buried Leah. The field and the cave that is in it purchased from the sons of Heth. When Jacob finished charging his sons, he drew his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. The one exception was Rachel. Rachel was buried on the way to Bethlehem. But otherwise, the other patriarchs and matriarchs were buried here in this place because it was a place that signified their hope 
and their separation in this world, but also separation and hope in the world to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Amen.